Michael Kane, what is your favourite game? My favourite game is Ridge Racer Type 4. Yeah, I, I can't really remember whether I played PC games first or or console games, but my, my first memory of playing on a console was we were visiting um, one of my dad's friends in Dublin, and he had a PS1, and he had either Ridge Racer or Ridge Racer Revolution, uh, and I played that, and it it blew my mind. And I think that was the moment where I um I went to my parents and was like, oh, we have to get a games console, and so probably that first Christmas after that, uh, we got. A PS1, and this was relatively late in the PS1's life cycle. Uh, and the game I got with it was Ridge Racer Type Four. Um, so yeah, that was you know 1999, probably Christmas. Uh, and so you know that was relatively close to the end of the PS1 life cycle. But I played a lot of stuff on on that before moving on to PS2 and then PS3. Um, and then besides that, we also like when we got our first PC. Um, before that, I just used stuff on my dad's laptop, and you know, so just the stuff that was on there. But when we got our first PC, it came with a bunch of games. And started playing things like like Team Apache, um, and there was like a demo for the like uh, for Tomb Raider on PC, hmm. um, and then uh, besides that, I guess I also got into like a lot of emulation probably around that time. Played a lot of like old uh, Super Nintendo stuff or like things you know that were out before I was born or before uh, we ever had a console. And so you know I I do know some games from before that, but it's largely through emulating. So yeah, things like someone introduced me to Harvest Moon I think around that time. And the, yeah, the original Pokemon games, I actually played emulated rather than on uh, on the handhelds. Mm. That's, a, that's an interesting experience, considering some of the magic around the Pokemon games at that time was around playing them not only portably, but playing them portably with your friends as well. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't really get to do that until eventually, I think I got a Game Boy Advance, and so I played the, the Sapphire um, era on, on Game Boy Advance. But yeah, handheld has never really particularly worked as a platform for me. It's not something I'm super into. I've always got more out of just like the additional complexity that you tend to get in like a full console release. And so that's kind of always been where I've played stuff more so than, than on handheld. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, were you in the recent whole lot after you started get, uh, playing uh, the PS1 stuff? Like you obviously mentioned the Ridge Racer stuff, but like were you in the sort of in the racing after that at that point? So yeah, like Ridge Racer was my first intro. And then I think when we got a PS2, I was really excited to get Ridge Racer 5. And I just, I didn't get into it at all. I've actually gone back to it since and really enjoyed it. But mm. um, it's a much harder game. And I think we also had a problem with like the, the PAL version running at 50 hertz and it being very slow compared yeah. to what it was designed to run at in Japan. Um, and so yeah, I was just, I was never particularly into that. And so I fell out of racing a little bit in the PS2 era. One of my friends was very into Gran Turismo. So I did get Gran Turismo 4. But um, I think that's one of the only PS2 racing games I really played. And so it wasn't until um, late PS3, early PS4 that I really sort of got back into racing again. And so that was with um, like the Need for Speed Most Wanted 2012 remake, a bit of Burnout Paradise as well. Um, and then uh, 
yeah, like the the PS4 Need for Speed 2015. And so like some of those are games that people don't like generally, but um, I guess because I'd been away for a while, uh, there were there's like some redeeming qualities to those I think that I, I still quite like at this point. Were you always outside of the sort of games aspect of it? Anyway, were you always in the racing uh, as a sport? Anyway, like stuff like Formula One or something like that. Yeah, so my, my dad was big into Formula One whenever I was younger, um, and so yeah, like we went to the French Grand Prix one year whenever I was about twelve, I think, um, to see Michael Schumacher race before he retired uh, for the first time. Uh, and so yeah i've always been like in into that uh, and again you know like I, I fell out of like racing a little bit in the middle but then you know working on a racing game again recently that sucked me back in and so i'm like super into all of that stuff now and we watch the, the races every weekend just, and yeah we've got into go-karting and stuff in the last few years as well oh no fair enough um just out of just sheer curiosity it'll be too late to leave this in who do you think's going to win the title <laughs> uh i mean i want max to win i think max deserves a championship uh lewis has had plenty already you know it won't be that big a deal to him by comparison uh, and i don't want michael's record to fall so uh i'm definitely rooting for max i'm biting my tongue so hard <laughs> <laughs> no Mikey, no no Mikey, that was so not right yeah i mean so i've i've wanted to make games literally since i was in primary school like i was talking about it in like p6 p7 and then the whole way through secondary school, um, you know, I kind of like dabbled a little bit in in modding. So like, uh, played a bunch of like Hill Combat Evolved and just like opening up the the texture packs and and repainting like you know just like working out. It's like oh, I can go in here and I can just like recolor the Warthog red or like put like a stupid graphic on it or something or like modify the pistol to shoot scorpion shells. Um, so like that was like some of my first intros to like how games worked under the hood. Uh, and then after that, um, I moved on to doing like a little bit of programming. So I like my dad at one point bought me like a dark basic uh, thing where you'd make like a simple game. I think that was my first intro to programming. But I, I didn't really get super in into like the like specifics of programming until I went to uni. Um, but by the time I was done with secondary school, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I went and looked for a games course, and so I did the the game course at Queens, which was really their their computer science course with a few specific games modules. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I was like really looking forward to getting into that, uh, after same secondary school. To, same class too as, uh, Vicky Potts. Indeed. Um, Vicky was actually computer science though. She wasn't actually games. Oh. Uh, surprisingly, uh, now that she's in that, but yeah, Adam also was in, in that year and yeah, a bunch of my, um, friends are, are still in the industry either here or in England. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, after that, basically, um, I was exhausted after our final year of uni and I wasn't sure what I wanted to, or, you know, I was I, considering that I might want to go work at a big company in England or something, but um, there was someone looking for a programmer to do some work and they convinced me to do it. And so I kind of just got into the scene here in Belfast and sort of jumped from like one little company to another just by being introduced um, by the other, other people. And eventually, because the companies here are so small and you get a, a good idea of, how things work in terms of funding and stuff like that. I sort of knew enough to want to go and do it myself. Uh, and so I'd been, I'd actually been working on inertial drift since uni um, as a spare time project. And so I like decided that I thought the game was good enough and that I, I could, knew how to go get a little bit of funding. And so then, you know, we went out on our own, basically I got my friend Tom to come and work on the art for it. Uh, and we've been doing that ever since. And I, I still do bits on the side for other people, but you know, I, I, I kind of just fell into into a groove in the scene here where there's there's always people looking for help and um 
you know, I might select to do AAA at some point, but it, it's hard to turn down the possibility of just making exactly the thing you want to do. So that's what I've ended up doing. So, let's talk of your favorite game, Ridge Racer Type 4, and uh, I I find myself very fascinated by the fact you picked Type 4, because it is, frankly, from what I, from the games I've played of the franchise, the best in the series. And, you know, we'll, we'll delve into sort of the nitty-gritty of Type 4 in, in, in a moment, but um, you mentioned how your first sort of introduction came through... Uh, in terms of console gaming, I don't know, it came through Ridge Racer 1 and Ridge Racer Revolution, specifically. Um, like, how did you find those specifically, anyway, in terms of getting into them, and how they sort of how they sort of fit within your sort of view of the series now that you've sort of played Type 4 and 5? So yeah, it, it's funny that, um, you know, obviously I played those earlier ones first, but it was very briefly at someone's house. And so I didn't necessarily get that far into it. And they're quite difficult. So I, I probably didn't like do very well in them. Um, mm. But then when we got a PlayStation, I actually got four first. So it was the one I played more of initially. Yeah. And then it was like, it was only like later where I was like, okay, I love Ridge Racer Type 4. I'm going to go back and find all the other ones. So I got a copy of Revolution. I didn't need to get a copy of the original one because Ridge Racer 4 came with that 60 FPS high spec demo in the box. So I could play that one. Um, I got Ridge Racer. I got Ridge Racer 5. I have 7 as well. Uh, and I have Ridge Racer 2 on PSP, so I've got, like, most of the bases covered in the series. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, because they were... Ridge Racer and Ridge Racer Revolution are so early in, in the console cycle, they're just so much rougher. And so I do find them, like, a bit more difficult to go back to, um, mm. particularly just, like, the you know the way collisions and stuff work in them. They're, like, a bit... Um, they're a bit harder to go and play at this point. Yeah. Whereas, like, 4, I can still go back and play now, uh, and I feel like it still holds up pretty well um because it was just it was the like mega refined version of that idea because they you know they were four games in plus they'd done the arcade versions and i did actually um we had a, a ridge racer arcade down the road uh you know so like at birthday parties we go like to this bowling alley in, in langormley and they had ridge racer arcade and i like to claim i'm undefeated but it's mostly because i never played it or i didn't play it with that many other people <laughs> Undefeated Ridge Racer champion of Glen Gormley, Michael Kane. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, did you not even get a chance to play um, Rage Racer? Yeah, so I, I did go and pick up a copy of Rage Racer, and it's funny because it's quite a different thing in a lot of ways. It you is. Just, like it's all very, the car it's very, upgrading. It's, it's very thematically different, don't we, compared to the games that came before it, anyway. Yeah, and it, I mean, I guess you can see some of the starts of that, like, um, you know, it's like the slightly more, like, edgy tone to it than you know the very bright poppy colors of of one and two mm. um but yeah like all the the car upgrade bits i i played that actually originally at a friend's house who had like um i think they had like a chipped playstation so they'd like got it in some like um, like in malaysia or something when they were on holiday mm. uh and you know they always had like a bunch of weird stuff uh like there was a i remember playing like a submarine game and i just remember like the colors of all the torpedoes i don't even know what it was i went and looked it up at some point again uh and yeah 
I have like fond memories of, of that because just they were like they felt exotic because I could only play them at other people's houses. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was I think he had Rage Racer, and so that was my first experience of it. But then yeah, I mean I do like that one as well. It's just not as iconic, I guess, in some ways. Because mm. I, I, the the thing that sticks out about Rage Racer anyway is that I've not, I, I've I've not played the full game, but I played the demo of that from either an OPM disc or the disc that came with my PlayStation. I can't remember, but I remember playing that demo half to death, basically. You know, <laughs> I did the same with the Ghost in the Shell demo uh, on one of the PlayStation like magazine discs or something. Mm. And um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Ghost in the Shell anime now, but mm. I had no idea what it was at the time. Uh, and I just played it. And so it was weird coming back to it later and realizing the connection between those two things. Mm. Um... Even even within Type Four, it feels like such a massive shift in itself from what's come before with previous games. Like even in the splash screen at the start screen of Type Four, you get this message that's underneath that says basically, and I'm quoting it here verbatim. Uh, what does it say? Um, Ridge Racer Type Four, creating a a new wave in the racing scene, powering beyond Ridge and Rage Racer. High-speed control and advanced dynamics accelerate the rush of a first-class victory. The culmination of performance and style provide the ultimate advantage in the race for entertainment. It's stupid. It's cliched. It's super cheesy. But at the same time, it feels like that mostly, anyway, sums up a game in, in a sort of elevator pitch, anyway. Yeah, it's that it's that commitment to like over the top stylishness that is true of like the mechanics of Ridge Racer. They they took that and they applied it to every aspect of the game, like the menus, the music, like everything about it is just super stylish compared to, you know, maybe some of the the ones previous to that where there were like rougher edges to it. Um yeah, they I think they they just they took that core concept and like Im, you know, had the game embody it in every facet. For for what it was, it not just necessarily in terms of its presentation as well. I think it feels like it was such a massive shift mechanically, anyway. Um, because Ridge Racer before Type Four was very much about super hard, not hardcore, but super over the top drift racing, basically. Whereas Type Four was a lot more arcade sim like, not realistic sim to the likes of Gran Turismo at that time but like close enough to that sort of um, era in a way um, so I guess this isn't really a question as such but like how, how did you sort of initially find it in a way like uh, coming off the back of those last few Ridge Racer games because it was such a tonal change anyway gameplay wise yeah I mean it's almost like very self-serious in in a way that the other ones aren't it shed some of that um like super arcadey uh you know like um there's still like an announcer that talks over the top but you know like the like the klaxon as you go through like a checkpoint or something they they got away they got away from some of that and then you know like the really jazzy soundtrack that they added really did Mm. shift the tone quite a lot um but yeah, I mean that that's a that's something that I really like about it even still now it's just got such a, a unique identity 
you know, because I guess you could say that the original Ridge Racers are, they're quite like Daytona and, you know, like all those other sort of like arcade racers of that era. But there's almost nothing else that's even remotely like R4 um, before or since, I don't think. In terms of that that tone, it just, it made itself such a, a unique identity that it, it sticks in your mind and it stands out and it makes it into this super unique thing in a way that the other ones maybe don't always achieve as much and they carried some of that forward into you know into five where they shifted away from the jazz thing and went for more of like a, a rock yeah. radio sort of uh vibe and and it's similar but different but uh, yeah i think they just they they just lucked out and got everything so perfect in four that it was hard to ever surpass it again mm, like, like it just feels like the sort of perfect storm in a way yeah absolutely and like, and like i said this is coming at a time when sort of the realistic sim was sort of starting to take off like especially when grand Tur- type 4 came out in 1999 so gran turismo 1 would have come out a year before and grand, Tur- grand turismo 2 was grand turismo it basically type 4 basically came out either side of grand turismo and grand turismo 2 basically mm. um and it's found itself in such a sweet spot anyway in being able to sort of stand out in its own right away from you know the sort of sim racers of the of of the likes of Gran Turismo at that time especially when Gran Turismo was sort of seen as the sort of poster boy for racing games not just necessarily on PlayStation but just sort of in general anyway yeah I mean I think um you know like sim started to rise after that and become more popular and you know there were still arcade things so I'm less familiar with the PS2 era of arcade racing because I wasn't playing as much at that point. But, you know, I guess like the Need for Speed was like the, the big arcade franchise at that point. But mm. I think there was a shift from one kind of arcade to another. And I think Ridge Racer is like at that, the pinnacle, like Ridge Racer 4 is at the pinnacle of that style of, of arcade racing. And then as you move towards the more Need for Speed type ones, it became more about boost. Like mm. I, whenever, you know, obviously I've made a racing game. I've thought a lot about this stuff. And I specifically didn't put boost in my game because I think it makes for a different kind of arcade racer. I would categorize, you've got like sim and you've got like drift arcade, but you've also got like boost arcade as like almost a completely separate thing. And drift arcade almost died after that because everyone put boost in their games and the game becomes about farming boost. And so, you know, that's kind of what you end up with, with need for speed. And so, yeah, like, um, I, you know, I, I do sort of miss that older style, like that simpler, you're more focused on your drifting, but you know you're you're still taking like tight lines, and it's about like the line you take through the corner, um, mm. in the way that a sim racer would. Which I think is yeah. maybe why you know you think about it like in a simmy sort of way. It's it requires a lot of precision. Whereas most arcade racers then became like big wide roads. It's about boosting and avoiding traffic, and that's yeah. sort of like a completely different thing. Yeah, like with the sort of wider roads, you have a lot more room to not only boost but have that boost provide you know drift into a corner or something like that there. Yeah, and then just it becomes about like your goal is to farm boost to go faster as opposed to your goal being drifting as little as possible to take off as little speed as possible but still make it around the corner. So like those are two very different uh, incentives. And I think as well that sort of era that you were sort of alluding to about having boost as part of a bit, um, the majority of sort of arcade racers at that time, I think a lot of that came from sort of, at least this is my interpretation of it, but a lot of that sort of came from what was then the sort of first boon, let's say, of popularity that came from the Fast and the Furious franchise. Anyway, certainly from the sort of street racing scene, anyway, from that. and uh, Yeah, the, the rise of tuner culture, generally. Yeah, and tied to that need for speed on the ground. Yeah, uh, and then eventually, I guess, you get to, you know, like the, the more 
because it's it shifted again since um because i guess like those is like maybe the early like burnout games were that sort of thing and then i think paradise marks the point where you shift into a new completely different kind of um arcade racing that's like the open world like boost thing and it the, the when crash physics basically became more viable um in the ps3 era now suddenly it's about causing crashes or you know like in most wanted 2012 you're like smashing people off the road to earn boost uh, and the way their their entire catch-up logic system operates on you know the idea that you're probably going to crash a few times in a race and that's how they do the balancing and if you don't it almost breaks the game um and so yeah like that i think is like almost all modern arcade racers now are basically you know more like burnout paradise uh, you know, in the, like the Forza Horizon style, like that's counted as arcade now, even though it's like almost the same handling model as Forza, just because it's, you know, an open world thing. And that's so divorced at this point from, you know, what arcade racers actually used to be like. Mm. Um, it feels like there's definitely a through line there in terms of arcade racers. I don't know, like from that sort of type four era of that sort of hybrid of, arcade and some racing games like type 4 and then you go into you know that sort of like like i sort of, like we sort of alluded to like the finding the wider space to sort of boost and farm boost the drift and all that there to then finding the sort of open world aspect of games like forza horizon like burnout paradise like um just sort of looking through if there's any um, any games in my collection that sort of stick out that also provide a good example nope not off the top of my head anyway besides forza horizon um what do you think is sort of the main thing now but following up from the sort of open world explosion that open uh, not open world but racing games are sort of chased now or is it, is it still the sort of open world aspect of it especially now that we have two new machines basically yeah i mean definitely you know like the forza horizon and need for speed really dominate the the arcade space and besides that there is very little of anything else besides um you know you can go find stuff in the in the indie space that is different from that and you know people doing like callbacks to to older styles um and you know i hope to see more of that over time but yeah i mean racing used to be one of the big tentpole uh releases for any console it was like one of the biggest genres and now basically Mm. it's you know it's just two franchises that that dominate the entire thing um and there's a lot less Mm. room in that space it seems and so yeah it would be nice uh to see you know something new come along and you know i wonder if is it the case that like people just would enjoy you know a triple a version of one of those previous genres like drift racing or you know even just like people always say they want uh most wanted back and to a certain extent i think need for speed 2015 um was them trying to do or um underground actually uh yeah like need for speed 2015 kind of was them trying to do a new underground and uh, mm. i quite enjoyed that game i think a bunch of other people didn't provide a variety of reasons but certainly the handling in it is a little bit strange i went to try it back to try and play it again recently and uh you have to relearn it because it's there's something really bizarre about how some of it works but you know that again is like a big open world thing and it would be interesting to see what would happen if someone you know with a big triple a budget went and made something a bit more like the older style because yeah basically now you have you've got the arcade stuff that's open world like forza horizon or you've got full sim and there's very little in between uh and yeah i think there's still like a lot of space that hasn't been explored in some of those older styles uh, and seeing some of those come back would be cool. And I mean, I, we do see stuff come back, you know, like roguelike came back in a big way, obviously, and became like the big dominant um, 
thing that everyone was adding after RPGs did that before. Uh, and I'm not sure if we'll see something like that, happen, like that happen to racing, but I think people will start probably to get bored if we just continue to make you know the same big open world sandboxes over and over again. Because like yeah, like you say, like within the sort of full sim space, there's just Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport. Within the arcade scene, it's just Forza Horizon and Need for Speed. Um, and I say that as someone who's sort of enamored with Forza outright. Like Motorsport is basically a fantastic graphical showcase, and Horizon is a fantastic. Uh, you know, series in its own right, where it's basically banger after banger after nearly ten years, and at this point, yeah, I mean, it's coming out after this is coming out after Microsoft Game of twenty twenty one. I know, so I think I could say this. It is in contention for me for Game of the Year between this and the the Kid Amnesia exhibition from Radiohead, but that's way entirely different from racing. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at, and 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 just to sort of touch back slightly before I get into that, like Need for Speed as well, like, it feels like for me, Need for Speed has not been the same since 2010 with that sort of hot pursuit return with uh, Criterion. And and even in 2012, like Criterion put out Hot Pursuit and I wasn't as enamored with that as I was hoping as I would be because I loved Hot Pursuit. But like, it was still a good game in its own right. But since then, I just didn't feel it. But now that Criterion's coming back, to do its own game again for the first time since uh, Hot Pursuit as a, as a full-fledged studio. Um, albeit they've delayed it to sort of help dice with Battlefield 2042. Um, they sort of tie it back into sort of this whole, the whole sim racing and arcade racing type thing. And you sort of mentioned it there. How can there be a sort of middle pillar basically between the sim and the arcade basically where there's more options more choice of what to play in the racing genre anyway so yeah i I had actually forgotten we'd sort of skipped over the the other thing that happened to arcade racing was the the simcade so i would say the first grid game is probably the original one of those certainly that that i'm aware of and like drive club i really enjoyed and it was in that space Oh god, Drive Club! Yes, I fucking adore Drive Club. If I if I have to shut up about Drive Club, because if I if I start about Drive Club, I'm gonna be here all night, and at this point, Michael's gonna be falling asleep <laughs> on his chair. But like, so I won't I won't go there. But basically, put even though the servers are basically dead and closed, and even though it's not available in the PlayStation Store anymore, um, if you find a box copy of Drive Club, pick it up. It it's I still the best you, looking it, racing game on PS4, it. I think. Oh my god, it's still one of the best looking racing games full stop, regardless of whether it's PlayStation 4 or even PlayStation 5. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um I think that to a certain degree, like as we as it became more and more possible to simulate as we got more and more CPU power in consoles, people yeah, moved towards taking their like sim setups and you like simulating more and more of the car and you know, you ended up with that, you know, that simcade thing. Um, and I really like those games quite a lot, but I think in the pursuit of that, everyone stopped just making stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, and so that was the thing I wanted to do whenever I was making a racing game was like, I don't care how cars actually work. I'm going to do what's like fun and interesting and just do something weird. And, and no one does that anymore because everyone uses like physics middleware to run their things. And you know, like they've got like wheel colliders or whatever, and you know, they're all like, they all use real physics to you know to make the cars handle and then you sort of like wrangle that into doing something arcadey 
Whereas I just built something that was like complete nonsense that like did something fun. Um, and so actually, you know, I think the the middle ground to a certain degree does exist, but it's like we've forgotten about the whole like the whole arcadey side of it. What we're calling arcade would have been really hardcore sim back in the day because we didn't have enough processing power to do it. And yeah, I, I'd like to see people do more wacky stuff. And that extends out all the way to things like, you know, Wipeout and uh, um, F-Zero and things like that. You know, like those things are all gone for the most part. No one makes stuff like mm. that anymore. And then there's actually probably another genre that probably fits in that middle ground, but probably not in... It's such a dramatic tonal shift as well, like the kart racers, like Mario Kart yeah. and all lemons, basically. Yeah, they're a totally a totally different beast. I love, um, I love Crash Team yeah. Racing. I'm a big fan. Uh, I've never got into Mario Kart as much. Um, I just I I like the I find the the amount of catch up logic and the the mayhem of um, just like the the randomness of power ups to be a bit much. And like Crash Team Racing cuts like a slightly more skill based line. I think there's just a, a little bit more in there in terms of like mechanical stuff. But it's maybe just that I've spent more time getting to understand it. But yeah, they're almost like a completely different category from um you know and obviously people have blurred the lines with things like blur and split second uh but yeah it's been a long time since anyone's tried to do stuff like that either <sighs> there's another game that i mostly just played the demo of a lot and so yeah it's my fault it's it's my fault it died oh my <laughs> oh no 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 we can't have that no you need to play the full version like it should be on steam or something that you maybe even still be able to find it on xbox it's so good and it's funny we were um that whole period 10 odd years ago of split second and blur coming out at the same time sort of the the sort of rivalry that both games sort of had um oh no not even 10 years ago 11 years ago because they both came out in 2010 Um, and it turns out both games didn't do well enough to the point they it part in bizarre's case partly and in black rock's case definitely killed both studios yeah. which was which was a shame especially oh my god project gotham i cannot believe i've just completely forgotten about project gotham especially as someone who's just basically been buying up the the series uh again uh for a project i'm looking to do next year for outside play diaries um but i guess th- th- this is Hmm. How do I word this into a question? This is the last question I'll, I'll sort of dance on this topic and then we'll move back into type four. But like, how do you sort of, what what would be the best way to sort of find that middle ground then? Like in terms of, I think I've probably asked this already, but like, what would be the sort of best way for sort of publishers and developers to sort of find that middle ground between the likes of Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport and then on the other side of that, um forza horizon need for speed etc i think it's just about you know experimenting a little bit more and you know not just if if you don't experiment with the handling and and do weird things then you know like the structure of a racing game largely has to be you know like there's not that much stuff to do there and so you know like i've seen people trying to do things like you know like battle royales or stuff but they, they don't really become racing games anymore it's like a relatively simple concept um and so yeah it's just the fact that you know most people are making like relatively simulation-y kind of things they do end up feeling sort of similar a lot of the time and you know yeah i just i'd like to see people do more weird stuff uh, you know like i have lots of ideas for like weird things that i'd like to go do that i probably won't have time to but yeah 
even stuff like um i don't know if you saw can't remember what it's called um but there was a a playstation 4 pc game with like sort of futuristic looking cars that looked like they could transform uh and you know i was expecting that game to have a bunch of stuff like you know shift on the d-pad or something into arrow mode or grip mm. mode and you like have like a car that literally transforms and you're choosing what makes sense for different parts of the track and the cars look like they could do that but they, that wasn't actually one of the mechanics and it was just a normal racing game i feel like it was like a little bit of a waste and so they, i guess there are things like like grip you know doing some like weird stuff with going up on the uh on the roof um in you know homage to roll cage uh, and other games like that but yeah i would just i'd like to see weirder stuff like not even stuff in the middle but just like stuff that's more out there and experimental and um you know go and see because there's still space to explore you know like i made a twin stick arcade drifting game um and it seems crazy that no one thought to try that before we've had twin sticks on controllers for 20 years or 30 years almost already uh you know anyone could have done that you could have made that game on ps1 um but no one bothered to uh, I yeah, I feel like we're a little bit stuck in a rut in the racing game scene to a certain degree, and it would just be nice to break out of it. Um, so back on Type Four, then um, we sort of alluded to this, but like Type Four had an immense sophistication about it, an air sophistication about it than previous games uh, in the series, and even after, like, um, it had. Like it very much, while it did feel very much like a product of its time, like sort of circa late nineteen ninety nine, um, that sophistication still definitely stands up today. Like even if you only watch videos of it on YouTube, you've not played it yet on something like if you have a fat PS three or a PSP or a PS Vita or even a PlayStation Classic that came out a few years ago, although that's the one you sort of have to avoid, um, that sophistication, it still holds up a lot. Anyway, like, it still it still, it still, still stands up. I think it's, yeah, it's the, one of those things where really great art direction and, like, strong, you know, having a lot of polish um, can make your game last a long time. And, you, yeah, that was, like, I think they... they wrung everything imaginable out of the ps1 at that point uh, i think it's pretty crazy how much they managed to do and yeah and it helps that mm. the soundtrack is unbelievable and because it was just cd audio playback you know it wasn't held back by uh any you know any of the hardware and they could just do whatever they wanted and i still play that in my car now uh, it, it's like maybe the best soundtrack in any game ever as far as i'm concerned um it's certainly the only one i'm still listening to after two decades Say, saying it's the best soundtrack in games, that's fighting words, Michael. That's fighting words. <laughs> you're you're asking for you're asking for a debate to kick off once this episode comes. Yeah, I mean, out. not everything is actually like things aren't necessarily but, comparable. But, but, I do, but I do, it is, it's it's super good. It's good as just music. <laughs> like, never mind being a soundtrack. I, I, no, I do agree. I definitely, in all seriousness, I do. Like joking aside, I definitely do agree with you. Like, for, um, it's it's admittedly been a while since I've actually gone back sort of play it and sort of listen to the soundtrack although there is this little thing called youtube that i probably should have sort of done that with earlier um but in all seriousness um yeah i definitely do agree because like there is that sort of mix of sort of like you say jazz and a little bit of techno in there as well and electric and electronic like talk to me about that that is just sort of the specific tracks and songs and facets of the soundtrack that sort of stuck out for you anyway I mean, yeah, it's there's like a it's like every track has a different texture in a way that's really great, and um and they all evoke like very different emotions. 
I used them as reference for whenever we were making our game, just because you would be like, oh yeah, this is the tone I want, and they've all got such distinct tones. And then it's just the production quality of it, you know, even like the the tracks that have vocals, you know, like the the title track and you know that intro movie they made. Um, it's all just made to like such an obscene level of polish, uh, especially because they you know they were knocking those out every couple of years those Ridge Racer games. So it's not like they had you know five six years to make that game as you would have with a, a modern AAA title. Um, I think the yeah the level of quality there is pretty bananas. And just sort of touch on something you mentioned there, the intro. Like, I remember that intro. It was... Oh, that intro was... It felt very special. Yeah, it, it sets the tone no, no, beautifully. No, 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 I don't know if special... Yeah, exactly. I don't know if special probably the best way to describe it, but setting the tone, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, um, I still go back and watch it, and I've seen people, like, remake it. I think it it's it, it helps you imagine, you know, like that's what you're picturing is actually happening when you're playing the game. Like your brain makes that jump to like, you know, through like the fuzz of your CRT. That's what is actually underneath in your mind. Uh, and yeah, you know, like if you even go look at what, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was just a really high quality CG movie for the time that like a lot of careful effort was put poured into. And you know, they, that, that they bothered to make a story for it at all. And it's not just like a bunch of like cars sliding for no reason. They added that narrative aspect to it that, yeah, just really sells the whole thing. Um, you mentioned how people have been remaking the intro. Just, just to put that out there, just lightly away from Type 4. Have you seen the um, remakes of the intro uh, that's been done for Ridge Racer 5 on Unreal Engine? I don't think I have. I'll have to go look it up. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. Yeah, I do wish they'd sort of do a new game of Unreal now after looking at that. Um... Yeah, you mentioned that in part there, the story, like, like they actually did a full-fledged story, and with each team that you race with, the difficulty sort of scales up, but, like, you also sort of get insight, like, each team has their own sort of story, and, like, like there's one team whose team boss is just basically riding you, basically, this sort of, if I remember correctly, sort of, to make up for the loss of one of their own drivers who died yeah, a long um, time ago or something like that. It's a thing with racing games. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of racing games don't bother with the story. A lot of them struggle with it because if you try and do the, oh, you know, I'm going to defeat everyone and be the best, it can just come off as a bit corny. And I think Ridge Racer did a really smart thing in basically making it like each of these like narratives that we've attached to the different difficulty levels is just a little character study on, you know, on the team boss. And, you know, just, like, mm. you unraveling the layers of them slowly based on, yeah, and, you know, having the little bits of just, like, based on what your performance was in the race, like, changing it a little bit, just give you a reason to play back through it. And, yeah, I always liked that the fact that they tied the narratives to the difficulty levels, it encouraged you to play up through the difficulty levels. So, you know, like, I started the game out playing on one of the easier ones, and, you know, I might never have played any of the higher ones if it weren't for the fact that they tied those narratives to it and give me a reason to go and, you know, explore and want to see more. Uh, and, you know, like that kind of motivation is a thing that um, I really appreciate in a racing game. I really struggle with um, with games like, you know, a set of Corsair or Project Cars or whatever, where it's just like, here's a load of tracks, here's a load of cars, go find something to do. You know, I'll play that like two or three times and then be done. Mm. And, you know, just like that nice, concise little story is just a good reason to keep you coming back and to get you to play more and to, to drag you in further and so yeah like it's it's a simple thing but 
it does quite a lot for the game, I think. And it was very well executed as well, so that helped. The other thing that you sort of mentioned a minute ago that I sort of want to bring up as its own thing is the art style. And, oh, the art style is definitely, like, the best in that series um, with Type 4. Like, it feels, again, there's a, there's a layer of sophistication to it. And to sort of touch back on something that you mentioned earlier, like, there's a massive sort of sense of style and atmosphere yeah, um, that comes with it, it it's kind of witchcraft honestly uh, i don't know exactly how it's done but i presume there's some kind of light baking maybe to vertex colors because i'm not sure they would have had the room to do it um in in the textures themselves but it, it's the cohesiveness of the whole thing as well so you know one of the subtler aspects of it is that the car seems to like sample the road below it and is affected by the same light so you don't have this like mad disconnect between the things that are moving and you know the lighting on the on the static elements of the scene which is you know like a thing that you would much more normally have seen um and you know would be a reason not to have uh you know like such strong color palettes and i think the fact that they solved that so that they could have the car not massively stick out let them push the color palettes really far and have every track have like a really strong specific color vibe to it that was different that differentiated it from all of the other ones um and yeah it just it gave it a very specific look that was very different to you know, like the the more like plain look of Gran Turismo at that time, or you know the like the more like garish poppy colors of the previous Ridge Racers. Uh, so yeah, like it just it all comes together beautifully, and yeah, all those things in combination create that great atmosphere that the game has. That is the reason that I still play it twenty years later. Like there's a layer. There's definitely it definitely feels like as a result of it. There's a layer of seriousness to it compared to like you say the sort of poppy sort of over the top fun aspect of maybe cartoonish aspects yeah. of um, previous games and, and, and that yeah leads into the you know the story fits that as well with like you know they they have like relatively serious themes they're exploring i think that would feel weird in like a really poppy looking game um and so yeah all those elements just complement each other you've got yeah the the different team bosses like sophie mm. is um like being forced to to get married uh like and she doesn't want to and like her reckoning with that over the course of the thing and then yeah the the interaction between you've got like the bits that tie together between prc's team boss and rts's team boss where um yeah they they share that uh link with that driver who died and they're grappling with that and their obsessed obsessive pursuit of perfection uh and then yeah drt who are just like dying um and you know under like some corporate overlord who doesn't want to give them the budget to actually do any good and then blames them for not succeeding you know those are all like relatively like adult themes um and so yeah like all those things i think would you know would clash potentially if you had like a style that was more like some of the previous ones um and so yeah it just all of those things lend to this real sophisticated package that just elevates it into its own thing what do you think what racing games do you think have done story well because uh since then because like let's be honest like anytime there's been recent games that have tried to do storytelling they've been cheesy and cliched at best and yeah um, just the one that awful. jumps to mind immediately is um the need for speed 2015 reboot because like i, th- I think a lot of people probably hate yeah. that but if you're willing to engage with the fact that it's corny as hell it's actually sort of fun and it was sort of a similar thing, you know, where it was quite character focused. It was focused on a relationship with each of like these four individual characters who make up 
um, the different styles of, of racing in that game. So like the style stuff, the tuning stuff, uh, the like high speed racing stuff. I think there was another one, but I can't actually remember. Um, and so, you know, they did a similar thing. And um, I mean, I think people probably, a lot of people complain about the, the cheesy, like fist bumping that they do to the camera with you all the time. But I just thought it was funny. So I sort of enjoyed it. Um, besides that, though, you know, yeah, there aren't mm. many. Uh, I guess Driver San Francisco did like a very involved story. And I've actually never finished that game. But that, yeah, like that's just a totally different yeah. direction to go, you know, where you're doing like like a full cop story um and to be fair I, that seemed to be like executed better than um yeah like so for example i didn't really enjoy the stuff in the recent need for speed payback i think where you they tried to do the hmm. yeah like they tried to make a fast and furious style you know like cop um theft narrative thing and it, it didn't super work for me it's very difficult and it's quite hit or miss but yeah, that's why, you know, like, I think I appreciate when a game just does something simple, like, to draw you in, um, and it, you know, it doesn't feel stupid. Because, yeah, the thing is, is, like, you've got to tell a story that can only be told, you know, with you in the car without you walking around, and that limits you quite a lot. Um, and so maybe the thing I'm thinking about would be good is, like, you know, you look at something like Drive to Survive that tells, you know, like, a similar kind of thing. Like, I think something like that is a thing in the future that could work well, and something I might look at, at doing myself. Uh, and yeah, no, you know, not trying to like, you're not saving the world, you know, from the confines of your bucket seat. So, yeah, um, I guess, yeah, by contrast to that, most stuff just does the, oh, you're accruing fans and there's not really an actual story at all. There's just some pit guy telling you, oh, you've accrued some fans like in Grid. Um, but I mean, it's not the only way to go either. I, I actually quite like uh, Need for Speed or yeah, Need for Speed uh, Most Wanted, the 2012 one, did a good job of tying um the events to the cars and that meant that your progression was like oh i just go find this new car i want to drive and it didn't force you up the the tiers you didn't have to go drive hypercars if you didn't want to so i drove like 80s and 90s garbage the entire time um because those are the cars i cared about uh and you know it, it just meant i could choose what cars i wanted to drive and there were events tied to each of those and they'd advance the like the simple narrative further and, and that worked pretty well on that on that same aspect then but sticking with ridge racer um did you uh ever try uh try um our racing evolution i which console which platform is that playstation 2 i don't think i did Game it's 2. like a weird spin-off one isn't it i'm vaguely aware of it yeah yeah, this, this sort of supercar one, yeah. Um, I don't think I have. Uh, Our Racing is a racing game released on the GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox by Namco. It is a spin-off of the Ridge Racer series. Unlike the latter, the game uses licensed race cars, da da yada 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 uh, Gameplay, da 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 The game offers a story mode where the player follows the racing career of Reina Hayami as she struggles to deal with the busy life of a, pro- of a professional race car driver and the politics of the sport. The mode features 14 chapters in which the player earns new cars, RP points for new purchases, and views pre-rendered uh, cutscenes preceding every chapter. Other modes include the usual racing game fair, single races, time attacks, diverse mode, and game and car customization. Yeah, I might have to go check that one out, because I was vaguely aware of it, but uh, I didn't uh, necessarily... Think, I guess because it's circuit racing... Um, it, it felt very different. I think that's that's one of the nice yeah. things about Ridge Racer Four as well is that you know like they those those environments not just being like plain circuits makes them much more exciting visually to look at. Uh, and so yeah, mm. like potentially at the time this came out, uh, I probably wasn't 
as interested in in straight circuit racing as much. Mm, like it was pretty much DTM GT2 type racing game. Anyway, um, I remember playing through uh, uh, as a rental, um, playing through the story. I'm thinking, uh, I think the second to last chapter takes place around Suzuka. Anyway, um, it's 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 fine for what it is. But it is really cheesy and cliched. And it actually does sort of tie into... Well, not tie in officially or even directly. But there are elements to the um, shady company corporation within Type 4. Who's sort of trying to hamstring you a little bit. Like it's, so, it's a similar I think it probably got harder there, to do stories in racing games around that gen. Um, you know, like after the PS1. Just because... You know, use like, oh, we, you know, do we have to do 3D characters now, and we have to do them to the fidelity that other games that are completely focused on, you know, like having people look good. Um, and I think particularly now, like even even Forza Horizon, like mm. I think the weakest thing of its presentation is probably the people. Uh, and so yeah, like that's a that's a complicating mm. factor. Whereas you know, yeah, Ridge Racer got away with just some static pictures of some people, um, and that was enough because it was so low res anyway that it didn't really matter. The only other example that's sort of come to mind there in terms of recent stuff is the F1 stuff, especially this year with F1 2021, anyway. That's, like, that's going big. Yeah, I've been interested to check that out, but I I haven't gotten around to it. Um, The F1 games are interesting because, like, I do enjoy them, but I I don't like not doing a perfect race, and it's so hard to do that in the F1 game that I end up just replaying Mm. the first race a hundred times and then I never like even remotely get close to finishing a season, uh, and so I should maybe just let go a little bit of of my perfectionism uh, and and just play through and see how I feel about it. <laughs> um, so Ridge Racer after Type Four, and that sort of uh, sort of delve in that sort of direction for a moment. Um, you mentioned how you um played a little bit of Five initially, and you weren't really into that. But then you sort of came back around it, um, and enjoying it, um, and then obviously you've played seven as well on PS3. Um, like, what, 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 just go into that yeah, a little so bit more detail. I, I think with with five, um, I like so literally when I when I played it and wasn't into it, I was like ten, and you know when I replayed it, it was like two years ago maybe. Um, so there was a really really big gap. Uh, and I think it was maybe just hard was part of the problem whenever I was 10. And so, yeah, that just, you know, when I went back and like got into it, I appreciated it. And it is like a similar kind of thing. Um, I can't remember. Does that one have boost or not? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Boost was in. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like it's. And the PSP up. ones, I think as well. But yeah. Boost was in six and seven, I think. Five was straight up. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, some racing anyway. No boost. I yeah. I did like I did like five, but it, it took me being older to be able to fully appreciate it for some reason. Uh, I, I don't know. I would love to you know be able to go back to remember at the time. I remember getting it and being quite disappointed. And I don't really remember like specifically what it was. If it was just that it mm. felt stiff by comparison or something. The Ridge Racer can feel pretty like Ridge Racer four. The harder difficulties, the cars feel pretty stiff. Mm. Um, and then for seven, I guess it was just that. You know, obviously the tone had shifted quite a lot, uh, and they they made it quite easy by comparison. You know, the the cars are just a bit mental, and yeah, because it's sort of it's it feels more on rails by the time you get to seven, and you can do stupid stuff like as long as you're drifting, you'll go around the corner. 
it doesn't matter what direction you're facing. So you go into a left-hand turn and you drift right and you go around the corner facing the wrong way and that's fine. And it, it like, I think there's a, there's a certain degree of like, you want to feel like you can do these cool things. But if I specifically try and not do the cool thing and it still works out, you don't feel like you're in control anymore or like that you're having as much of an impact. And so I think Seven suffered from that a little bit for me. And the thing is, though, I actually think their boost system is one of the more interesting ones because there was a lot of strategy about when you were like whether you deployed like a full three bars at once or you know, like where you were deploying it on the track and, um, you know, like trying to build it up over time. But yeah, it just it was a very different kind of game. And yeah, they never did like the story in the same way or, you know, like did that hit that tonal quality in quite the same way. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I would be quite happy to have a seven now because we've had nothing for so long that uh, I'd be appreciative of literally anything. Oh, the first clamors for Ridge Racer 8. Like, don't get me wrong, and unbounded like 10 years ago, like from Bugbear. Like, that was, Just that wasn't was a Ridge Racer game. game from what I remember of it, but like the first is there for a proper bona fide Bandai Namco Japan made Ridge Racer 8 on a PlayStation 5, on an Xbox Series X. Like, oh, it's been... It's been so long. I and yeah, because like I mean, you know, I, the thing with the Bugbear game was it was like, if I wanted to play Burnout Paradise, I'd play Burnout Paradise. Uh, and it just, it was trying too hard to be something that, you know, Ridge Racer was not. Um, so yeah. The the PSP ones are good though. And I, I, I enjoyed mm. those as well. Partially just because they were just like a greatest hits Ah, just yeah, and so I mean, yeah, they didn't really have the the story elements, but it was like you know the handling was good. Um, they threw that some of that boost stuff in, which I, I actually didn't mind in there because uh, you know it was still pretty decent. And uh, and yeah, you just got all the old tracks, and so you still got some of the tone, I guess, of the original because you know you could play the old the Ridge Racer Four soundtrack, and you know it made everything feel pretty good. What what would you want to see? What would you want to see in a Ridge Racer 8, Danoi? Now that we are so far removed from I mean, Ridge Racer 8. It, it's hard to say. If I were them, I would be inclined to go back and not make Ridge Racer 8. I'd like I'd make Ridge Racer Type 4 2, you know, in the vein of Final Fantasy. And, you know, like... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, because you could take... I think there was so much stuff there. You could take that through line and push it further. Because, you know, like, uh, there's, there's things in there like the... Um, the split between like there's two drift manufacturers and two grip manufacturers and you know like those cars are basically completely different in the way you go about controlling them um and you can push that so much further and that's the thing i tried to do in my own game but, you know yeah if i were them i would go and do that again i'd double down you have six manufacturers and you know you really like try and differentiate so that the two drift ones are like completely different from each other and the two grip ones are completely different from each other whereas you know they were like relatively similar still in in ridge racer 4 and you just like try and push it out and do more more weird stuff and and just take that i think that like they find like a great spot there and there's so much further you could go with it that just never happened and so i'd like to see i'd like to see that pushed further as opposed to you know like maybe going further down the the ridge racer 7 line um but i mean yeah that's that's just like that's what i would do and i'm not sure if they ever if they ever would do that but yeah, even, you know, you because you could take all that, you could take Ridge Racer 4 almost exactly as is, just modernize it a little bit, make it work with triggers, and then add in a bunch of, like, modern multiplayer functionality, and it would be an unbelievable game. Um, so, what else do you like about uh, Ridge Racer Type 4 that we've not discussed tonight? Um, I think, what else there is about it? Did I make notes? Did not. Um... 
I think that like the, so the way they did the the event structure was pretty smart in that you know like they make a couple of tracks go quite a long way um and the the way they tied the the car unlocks to your performance um at different points in in the races like that would like decide whether you just got like an upgraded version of your existing car or if you came first all the time you'd get like these new ones and so there's almost like a like a puzzle aspect to like okay what combo of um positions do i need to finish in in order to unlock this specific car to complete my collection uh, i remember in in secondary school when my friends was a big gran turismo fan and we'd have like arguments about which one was better and he'd always be like oh gran turismo has hundreds of cars and i was like well technically ridge racer has hundreds of cars but they're mostly the same car with slightly different stats and different liveries depending on which team you were driving them as but uh, yeah that you know it, that wasn't really the point of it um so much but yeah just like that having the you know giving you reasons to to play and like do different combinations and um i guess the other thing is that like they they did a good job of you know catch-up logic feels really bad um but you kind of need it in order to balance games a lot of the time and i think a thing that ridge racer 4 did that was pretty smart was having that sort of like you know the the other opponents aren't even necessarily like really racing you don't all start at the same time it's this big field of cars and you're passing up through them and they work as like progress markers almost so it's like oh i know i need to be in fifth by lap two or i'm not going to make it um by the end and so you're just like trying to pass all these cars as quickly as possible and so yeah like they i think that's you know similar to what i was saying with the handling Mm. that's not how real races work but you know it's an interesting different way to structure it in order to get the most out of it it's, yeah it's a and it's sort of honestly like the game is actually sort of like a time trial all the time if you if you really think about it but they disguise it in a way that you know makes it feel exciting and then the other cars serve as sort of moving obstacles and because the tracks aren't mega wide you've got to be really careful about you know where you catch them and like hmm. you know what way you're going to try and pass them and so there's actually quite a lot of strategy to that to do well because it's so punishing if you hit one of them you get knocked back quite far and you can end up having one of the other cars catch back up to you um besides that actually another thing that i really enjoyed that was great was uh the pressure i feel like they put on you once you pass the first car so that's the point i think where some amount of catch-up logic does kick in and it can be fairly aggressive but yeah with the little rearview mirror at the top that they you know managed to squeeze in there in their performance budget and just having the headlights of that like um what previously was the first place car in your in your rearview mirror for those last couple of corners was so stressful um, I think particularly on brightest night, I have like vivid memories of being terrified of screwing up for like the last three corners because they ha- always had it timed perfectly so that you'd catch that car like three corners from the end and you get one shot to pass it or you're screwed. Uh, and that always like, I, I, I don't think I've ever played a racing game that had as much tension as they managed to pull off there because it was completely contrived, but it was like contrived in a in a way that felt more mm. fair most of the time than you know, just having like really strong rubber banding does where that just feels like, you know, I'm just being cheated out of this and there's nothing I could have done to stop it from happening. You never want it to be that it's better to go slow for the first lap, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to rubber band everyone down and then just sprint past them all. You know, like I, I hate when, you know, yeah, the best way to play is to do something dumb um, and Ridge Racer managed to avoid that, I think. I think the, the only way you'd sort of find those sort of rubber banded sort of type um racing would be sort of within the car you do get it a lot like i mean drive club has some pretty strong rubber banding and it's not as bad but yeah it is a common thing because it's very difficult to balance um so i tried to avoid it in my game but um 
yeah, it's very difficult to make a thing that is difficult for people who are very good, but not impossible for people who are not as good. Because if, you know, the difference in lap time between a really good person and a really bad person is like six to 10 seconds, you know, like there's not much you can do. You have to like fudge something a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the way Ridge Racer managed to do it at least felt fairer because it's not like people passing back past you and like getting sucked up behind you. You can't just nail everyone into the first corner. Everyone disappears off like a rocket ship at the start, but it's like there's a almost like an element mm. of suspension disbelief that goes on there. And then the actual gameplay of it is is uh, is good and gives you good feedback as to how well you're doing. Um, you actually mentioned the, just in passing there, but the the tracks like this. And do correct me if I'm wrong, because like um, it's been a long, long time um, since I even played any of the Ridge Racer games beyond uh, before four anyway. But, like, it's the first... Type 4 is the first game where there's actual real-world locations in the game as well. Not necessarily real-world tracks, but just... Yeah, because everything was Ridge City in in the first ones. And it was all, like, all the tracks were one location and they just branched off each other. And, yeah, so R4 was like, no, this is a touring around the world kind of thing. So we've set each of them in individual locations. But at each location, there's two layouts, for the most part, with, like, one or two exceptions. Um, and yeah, those little intros to play before each race with the, the race announcer uh, saying the name of the track out are burned into my memory for all eternity, like with the exact intonations. What didn't you like about Type 4? I mean, I think if you go back and look at it now, the things that are maybe roughest about it are um, some of the collision stuff is still like a little bit weird, but um, I, I understand why they did the things that they did for the most part because it's very difficult to make a game where like a racing game where um crashing into walls on purpose isn't the fastest way to get around because uh, you know in real life that would be the fastest way to get around apart from the fact that it destroys your car but if you're not going to do vehicle damage and it was kind of too early for you know certainly visible vehicle damage to be a thing um it makes it quite difficult to to get around that and so that can be kind of punishing and a little bit frustrating um but i mean besides that it's mostly just stuff that, you know, if I was going to improve in a future one, if I were making it, um, they're just things that were hardware limitations, probably largely at the time, you know, in terms of like, the, you could do a bit more stuff now. I guess that, that one thing I said about, I do wish that there was more of a handling difference between um, uh, Asaludo and Lizard, the two the two drift uh, manufacturers. I feel like they could have done something there. Because, yeah, so they let you do in the game, you can do the... The way I played certainly was like you lift off the throttle and for half a second and go back on it in order to make the back end snap out while you're turning is how you drift. But you could also drift using the brake by like doing, you know, almost the opposite. And, you know, they could have done that so that Lizard was the brake drifting one and Asaluto was the uh, throttle drifting one. And that would have made them, you know, much more uh, distinct as like driving experiences. So it would have been nice to see something like that uh, in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's not so much a thing I dislike as. I can see where there's still potential in that thread to go do more things. Which this actually fits in rather nicely what you just said. Uh, and my next question: What would you change from a design perspective? I mean, I think they they did pretty much everything they could very well. I'm not sure if there's anything that I you know would be like, oh yeah, I think that should change. Apart from just expanding, you know, doing more, um, moving on further. Uh, Trying to think if there's anything. 
Oh, uh, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there's some, like, very subtle, like, little things that, you know, could have been nicer, like, um, in the arcade mode, whenever you're doing, like, time attack challenges, there's that, the announcer, like, you know, like, shout stuff out, and uh, if you've done a, a fastest lap, he says, yeah, it's a new record. And if you don't do a fastest lap, which is every other time, he shouts, my grandma drives faster yeah, than that, that, get with the program, every single lap. I think that seems like a bit excessive, <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, besides that, I, I think it's it's pretty close to a perfect execution of the thing they were going for, and anything that you would change would just be to do something different as opposed to do some doing something better. Top three Ridge Racer games. What would they be? Obviously, Type Four at the top. Probably would be second, uh, third. I'd be torn between either like Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer Five, or putting. Ridge Racer 2 on PSP in there somewhere. Ridge Racer 2 on PSP is less its own thing, though. I would say it's just like, it's a convenient way to play this, the content from the other ones in a fairly nice package. Uh, and so like, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, probably, I, I think like Ridge Racer was still, I enjoyed that at the time. And it's like, a it's a different thing and it, it's worth experiencing. And then yeah, like 5 I've come to appreciate afterwards. And I still enjoy like the tone of that game. It's It's probably second best. In that regard. Yes, honorable mentions. Go for it. Yeah, well, I mean, in the on the racing side of it, I'd say Drive Club definitely up there. Definitely my favorite oh, racer no, from PS4. You're going to set me off. Tim. <laughs> you're going to set me off. Tim. Um, yeah, like it just it did a lot of uh, great stuff. It just felt good. It looked amazing, and um, I really enjoyed all the uh, challenges things they did, where you could send challenges to friends. I have no idea why no one else has done that since it seems like. A great idea but maybe that's why their servers were garbage because they had too much network stuff um yeah i'd said before as well i love crash team racing i think like for a kart racing game there's like a lot of depth to the controls in that um you know with like the the way you like do chained boosting um and you know like the little shortcuts uh it's just like a really enjoyable thing to play and to be good at um, yeah, you know, I, I'd said before as well about those like Need for Speed Most Wanted 2012 and Need for Speed 2015 games a lot of people don't like, but there's just some really nice little redeeming gems of uh, design in there, I think, that, that are things that I think about a lot and, you know, would like to carry through into some of the stuff uh, I work on. Um, I think, so besides that, my second biggest, like, favorite series is probably the Ratchet and Clank series. Um, I really love those games. That, that was what I was playing on PS2 when I wasn't playing racing games for that gen, for the most part. Um, I think all of those are pretty great. Uh, and I went back recently and replayed 2 and 3. And um, I think 3 in particular is a great, great game and stands up really well. Um, and yeah, I, the tone of those games also was, was really cool. And it's a little bit of a shame that I guess once we hit PS3 and Insomniac were like, oh, we can go, you know, make more mature stuff. And they made um, Resistance that ratchet and clank kind of got relegated to like this kids only thing and it became very like three plus whereas before you know like i really enjoyed it whenever you know i was like 13 
and there were jokes that just went over my head but my dad who was watching me half the time loved um I, they struck a really good tone there and it's been softened up so much since then um, and while it's still like the i think those games handle really well uh still and they they look amazing i i do miss some of the the narrative there that like 90s edgy for teens sort of thing have you uh spoken to jess campbell of bellular about ratchet i have not <laughs> you probably should <laughs> Besides that, um, some things that I've been like heavily influenced by as well are um, I love Demon Souls. I know everyone loves Dark Souls, but I like Demon Souls a lot more. And the remake there recently, playing back through it again, for a long time I wondered was it just because I played I imported Demon Souls from America before it was released in Europe whenever I was about mm. sixteen, and um, mm. uh, I was just like maybe I just had more time on my hands whenever I was sixteen to play it, and whenever I played Dark Souls later, I just didn't have the same amount of time to get into it. But I love the remake as well. Um, I think there's a tonal difference between those two things, and and Demon Souls really works for me. Um, and there's a surprising amount that I've like taken from um, from playing those games into, you know, like making racing games, even though you'd think that they were very separate. And in a similar vein, uh, I love Skate. Uh, I think that is an incredible game. They like they took, you know, what it looked like to have a, a skateboarding game at the time in terms of like the way Tony Hawk worked with button combos and completely turned it on its head and did something completely different with the controls. And it's that kind of like, you know, thinking so far outside the box as to have something that is nothing like what other stuff in the genre is like that, you know, I think that's a, a thing you can apply to other places. And I like to try and think about new game ideas in that regard as well. Um, hmm. And yeah, besides racing, I'd say my, my second favorite genre is uh, turn-based tactics stuff, and and so definitely I'd have to put XCOM on there as a as a great game. XCOM also frustrates me greatly um, because it's so unnecessarily brutally difficult. But uh, until um, until something I find something else in that space that scratches that itch, uh, you know, I, I complain about it a lot, but I, I love it really. It's sort of that sort of Stockholm syndrome aspect. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I I love the I love the Corbett and. Uh, I don't know. I could go for less random randomness in it, but yeah, I mean things like um, Mario and Rabbids, uh, I really enjoyed as well, and that that was a really interesting thing to look at. Is like look at all the things it did differently from XCOM to be you know a bit more approachable and a bit less brutal. Top three games ever. What would they be? Obviously, Ridge Racer Type Four at the top. What would be second and third? It's pretty hard because I think a lot of games aren't comparable to each other. Um, you know, like across genres necessarily, but I'd say it's probably yeah R four, Ratchet and Clank three. Um, I love one, but it doesn't hold up nearly as well at this point. It's hard to argue with how good three is, and yeah, maybe Demon Souls in third. Uh, but why? Uh, like you sort of alluded to it, but why specifically three? Like why? Why is that sort of? Why is that higher on the pole than say one? beyond it sort of holding up a lot better anyway yeah i mean it's just like one is so bad in terms of controls at this point because it was sort of before um i guess at some point they transitioned to the traditional third person shooter lock strafe control scheme um and you know it became about like side flips and dodging and um and all that stuff was really good but you you actually had to aim the first game is lock on like auto lock on the camera's garbage because it's just like it's so early in you know 3d platformers that 
people just hadn't worked that stuff out yet. And so like, while I, I maybe like the story of one the best, um, three is just a way better game in by almost every metric. The story's still good and it's absolutely hilarious. So yeah, it it's it's not even really a competition. And yeah, two sits somewhere in the middle there, but I think three is just better executed in almost every way. And then after that, the tone changed quite a lot, so they're they're not as comparable. How 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 do you sort of perceive the remake of the first game if you've played that? Like how does that hold up for you? I have played it. Um I think mechanically it's pretty good. I actually didn't like the the one thing they changed I didn't like was that they they changed the enemy AI so that they anticipate where you're going to be. Um, and they didn't do that in the original game. And there's just a subtle change there where the, the original games, you you don't have to... Just as long as you're moving, you're safe almost to a certain degree unless you get unlucky. Whereas this, you have to constantly be changing direction. Um, and I didn't necessarily feel like that made the game better. It just made the game harder. Uh, and it doesn't seem like a game that needs to be hard in that way. I guess maybe they've all just got really good at it in the studio, and so they think it's boring the other way. But I, I don't think it is. Um, on the other side, though, like the I think the narrative stuff they changed. They, I was not particularly a fan, but it's because they've made it for you know for five year olds. Um, you know when they did the movie tie in, and they've really softened it all down. Like the original one is pretty edgy, uh, in like a lot of the like the jokes and stuff that are in it, and they've stripped almost all of that out in uh, in the remake, and they've made Ratchet into like you know like uh he's really dumb and you know he trusts completely in in quark and doesn't suggest that he never he refuses to believe that quark could possibly be bad which is the exact opposite of like he thinks quark's a bozo and plank is the one who's like oh no we need to find a real hero despite the fact ratchet's the one he actually needs you know like it's a completely different story and i don't think it's a better one um so yeah but you know the it's a different target demographic than the original one was honestly Yeah, um, my company is called Level 91 Entertainment, and last year we released a twin-stick arcade drifting game called Inertial Drift. It uh, it draws a lot from, from Ridge Racer Type 4 for inspiration, as well as from um, the Initial D anime series and games, uh, and lots of other stuff in between. Um, yeah, that's out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and it's on Steam and Epic on PC. Um We've been doing some updates at the moment, so there's new stuff to play, uh, and it's uh, it's been on sale a bunch, so you can probably pick it up relatively cheap. Uh, I would appreciate people checking it out. Um, yeah, and if you want to follow for more updates, you can follow us on Twitter, at Inertial Drift, or at Level91 Entertainment, um, or we're on Instagram or Facebook.
Thanks for listening to My Favourite Game, a podcast by PlayDiaries.com where people from the games industry come on to talk of their favourite game. If you want to listen to future episodes of My Favourite Game, as well as press play before they go live publicly on Play Diaries and other podcast platforms, please consider becoming a $2 tier podcast early access patron to your Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. Next week, Stephen Downey on The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. Until next week, bye-bye.